106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hi there. I am a scientist, a super smart scientist, backed by big money and very powerful people. I'm even a scientist that wears a lab coat, so you can trust me. We have developed something that will give you immunity to a pretty nasty disease. Complete immunity. So we're pretty proud of it. Okay, I'll just, I'll just give them, I'll give them an update. Okay. Okay, so what we have developed won't give you complete immunity. I mean, that's crazy. Um, but it will keep you from getting sick. Like really sick, hospitalized sick. So, okay, but they're going to start to wonder about this if I... Okay, I'll just... I'll update again. Just... Okay, you could get hospitalized sick. Uh, so that's not good. Um, but that would be rare. I mean, that's not... Like that would just be a random, <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I think someone else could, could do this, do the update. No, just I'm, I'm the one. Okay. Um, okay. Um, people that are taking it, uh, are being hospitalized. So we've got another dose to give you. We're just going to give you an, another dose and you should be good. Okay. I think someone else could do this. I don't know why I'm the guy that always has to give the update. I mean, Sydney over here, you could give the update. Tony, Tony could give the update too. Tony, you're not, no, not, nothing from you. Okay, fine. Okay, so we've got a, we've got a tablet in the works. It's a little tablet. You take it, put it on your tongue. It might be one, might be two. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, 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 but you take that when you start to not feel good. Ah, uh, tablets, tablets are on the way, okay? Have we done long-term studies on this? Anybody? Can we mention natural immunity or is that just, it's not allowed? Okay, um, so that's it, that's it for us. Uh, hang in there, uh, until next time. Despite the fact this water is making me want to take a pee and at my age, not that easy to control. It also is analogous for the way I feel about life, which is that it's very easy to do this, right? To swim downstream, to go with the flow. It's what journalists do in the mainstream media to keep their jobs. They have to say what their boss demands that they say. They have to toe the government line. It's why groups of people like to feel that they belong to something. It's why young girls surround themselves with 10 others dressed the same way because it's easier to fit in and go where everyone else is going and agree with everyone else. But actually, if we're true to ourselves, we realize that we don't always think the same way other people think. We, we often need to swim upstream. We have to go against the flow of things. Same with the state injectable and the seven, eight, nine million people who refuse to have it. We have to swim upstream. And of course, every day it means it's tougher for us, right? It's harder to swim upstream. You're getting punched in the gut, told, no, you can't come for Christmas. No, we don't want you at this. No, you can't come in. You're so stupid, punched in the gut. But two things to remember. When you swim upstream all the time, you're building your strength. You're tougher than the rest. And because of that, you will endure 
you will prevail. And second, something no one can ever take from you is that you never sold out to swim downstream. You were always true and authentic to yourself. And that will always matter so much more. Hey guys, uh, I just got my fourth shot and it's really coming in strong. They say the second shot is rough. The fourth one comes in with a vengeance. The side effects have been interesting. Um, I did lose my sense of taste. I lost my sense of smell and I did lose my sense of humor. Uh, nothing's funny. Everything's very triggering. I just watched The Office and like nothing. Everything just feels racist. And I don't know if that's the side of I don't know. But either way, um, what else? My white guilt is really flaring up. Um, I just saw a black guy in the street. And I said, take my last $10. He's like, no, I'm a lawyer. I have plenty of money. I was like, no, you need it more than I do. So anyways, the fourth shot, just beware, but get it and do your part. Get ahead of that Omicron. Well, good evening. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode number 142, on December 18th, 2021. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, let me give you just a few ways of connecting with us if you're new to us, or maybe if you've been listening but <clears throat> you forget or didn't write it down. Uh, you can reach me at 530-713-1838. This isn't live, so but you can leave me a message about the show. 530-713-1838. You can uh, email me at no, uh, lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Lou at nohostagesradio.com, and that's L-O-U. And... Uh, some of you do that every week and appreciate your input and uh, not just like way to go or way not to go. Uh, but a lot of you are giving me good information that I'm using or at least referring to or actually using the clip. So thank you so much. And um, so nohostagesradio.com and Lou at nohostagesradio.com. For those who have stumbled across or heard me talk about the live recording, like this will pop up on uh, the Saturday, the 18th of December. Uh, also, we do a live show from 10 to 1, 10 a.m. to 1 in the afternoon on each Saturday. And that's uh, Left Coast time in California. You can listen live, no matter where you are, by going to a website called live365.com, live365.com, and you can uh, just click on radio and then put the, the call letters K-M-Y-C, and it should pop up whatever's on there at night or day. You can listen to that if you wish. And the the uh, show's a little bit different than the uh, podcast. It's It's put together... Uh, a couple days later, I mean, it's, it, it goes on a couple days later, so some things change. I might add some things, and, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's a local radio station that reaches a few counties up here in Northern California. So uh, if you want to weather through some of the local stuff, some of you that are listening, I know that are in other states now, uh, used to be here, but you're now uh, refugees from California. So if you want to listen, uh, there you have it. 
doesn't cost anything. So uh, let's see. I think I covered all the. Oh, you can also look over on my Facebook page at Live with Lou. It's a Facebook page where I post the podcast also, and I also post some articles. And you can also get the same at the website called No Hostages Radio. Com. So I just want to mention, starting off, we have a few sponsors. I'll mention a couple right now. All Power Services, a couple of guys, Will, Will Fanning and Josh James, that are doing a super job. Uh, some of the uh, uh, power tool shops went out of business during the COVID, and we needed some more. And uh, these guys had actually started just before COVID, and they're doing great, great job, fast turnaround, great reports, high-quality all kinds of power tools, power sports, service repair, custom welding, custom fabrication. Uh, it's called All Power Services, located just south of the city of Yuba City, 1469 Stewart Road. You can reach them at 530-844-0347. Once again, 844-0347. Or you can email them at allpower1469 at gmail. Com. They may even do some uh, <clears throat> mobile welding. I know they've come out to the uh, church where I attend with Will Will Fanning, one of the owners, <clears throat> and uh, he's helped me uh, weld up some uh, our skate park fencing that's all steel and do some repairs and and uh, brace it up and and make it better, bigger, you know, better and uh, uh, safer. So uh, he's been able to do that. He just pulls out with his rig and does the welding right there. So you can check with him to see if he's willing to do that. Also, uh, my friend Dr. Joe Cassidy, for I think about three decades now, he and I are partnering to try to find as many people that are addicted to drugs or alcohol or cigarettes and get them into treatment through him. And uh, so if you want help, you could call Peachtree Health. That's 530-749-3242. 749-3242 and ask for Dr. Cassidy and they ask, what's your business? Just say, uh, you may not be addicted. Maybe you just need a doctor. Just say, hey, I, I need a doctor. Uh, but if you uh, would like his services for addiction, just say, when they say, hey, why why you need an appointment, just say, hey, uh, addiction. And that, that should get, get you going. And uh, then what we're, we're going to do is check you over, and he's going to check you over, and then we're going to try to get you into a rehab if that's what you need or get you to outpatient or whatever. Uh, he's got 30 years in on knowing about addiction, all kinds of addiction, all the products to help you. So we want to get you off the streets. We want to get you on something safer and off maybe completely, but certainly something safer where you're not going to overdose on uh opiates or fentanyl or anything else so uh if if you have problems getting through with peach tree and they're not working quickly with you uh just you can text dr cassidy at 530-682-8648 682-8648 if all else fails call me up at 530-713-1838 5 530-713-1838 you can call me or text me uh, you may be on a landline and you can't text. So uh, we prefer you not to talk, uh, tech, uh, call the doctor because many times he's with patients and can't take the calls or he can't take the calls in the middle of a work day. Okay, so um, hope that helps and we'll get on with the show here. Again, thanks for listening. It means a lot to me that you're taking the time to listen. I know some of you listen to a part of it or however you listen, it's fine. I, the only reason I'm doing this 
There's just one reason, and that is to uh, invest in the, the future generation. I have grandkids. My my uh, kids are growing up, so they kind of have the life that they want to lead, and uh, they're going to have to just <clears throat> make those big grown-up decisions on their own. Uh, they have their own families, but I'm concerned about my grandkids who don't see what's coming and what's coming is not good unless we can make a change. It's kind of like when the, uh, our forefathers or founding fathers, uh, faced the dilemma with England after, uh, leaving Europe and being here, you know, almost a hundred years from the 1600s. And they were, they were toiling with being, uh, over overlorded, overruled, uh, ruled over by England, and they debated, debated, debated for years about what to do about it. And finally, they decided, we don't want to live this way anymore. And so you you remember slogans. A lot of times, that's all you remember from history is, give me liberty or give me death. And so it had got to a place where a lot of the founding fathers just said, you know, I just don't want to go on like this anymore, and I'm not going to put up with it. And uh, so they hadn't ha- had a taste of freedom, Right. They had been oppressed in England and in, in different parts of Europe, and so they fled for various reasons, but they, I guess one of the unifying reasons, whether they were religious uh, immigrants or political immigrants or whatever, they, they wanted freedom. So they threw down during the Revolutionary War. There was another fight for freedom um, during the Civil War, and there was an, uh, ongoing fights for freedom, but some of the major ones are those two plus World War II when uh, we we decided to invade Europe, and uh, we were attacked, and and it was and many people thought we were too weak. We had been uh, an isolationist nation uh, after World War One. We were licking our wounds after World War One after winning that, but we just wanted to be isolationists and not get involved in the world and just take care of business, make America great again, kind of a thing. Uh, but we ended up getting attacked, and then uh, everybody declared war on us, and so. One of the big it deals is when we uh, invaded Normandy. So that is a was a critical crossroad. Uh, and if that hadn't gone well, uh, we may be being ruled over at this time. So now I, I frequently say this is 1776 all over again. And uh, so ma- many of you are fighting uh, battles with the Board of Supervisors, with uh, the state of California's mandates, with your school system. Uh promoting pornography and uh, craziness, uh, cancel culture stuff, uh, the the teaching that there's multi-genders, more than just two genders, uh, critical race theory and all that kind of, many of you are fighting a fight. There's just crisis at every institution, it seems. The church, 99, 98% of the churches closed down because the government told them to. They just immediately went communist. And so... Uh, we're at a crossroads here, and how we play this as adults uh, is going to make the difference between the uh, on the future of America. You know, there's times, whether you play sports, there's times in a game that are a critical turning point, or in a war, it's a critical turning point. You can study war, and you can say this was a turning point, and, uh, and those who wanted it most, whether it's to win a game or win a war or win something, those who wanted it the most uh, pressed in at that point. And so this is the time, and this is the reason I'm doing this show. Uh, it's not for money. I, I don't. Uh, the sponsors I have have come on to 
uh, underwrite the costs, which aren't huge, but they're they're something, right? And and just the cost of doing business. So I don't want to go into all the details there because that's not what's going to help you. And I just want to mention before I want to I want to read a letter that one of my friends wrote to the school board at Marysville to start it off. But first, I want to say this this uh, quote: "When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people." there is freedom. Let me say it again. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is freedom. Now, that's why that we have the Second Amendment. It wasn't to hunt. It wasn't to protect yourself from your next door neighbor or a criminal. It was to take action against the government and be weaponized to do so. That means the government would have a certain sense of fear uh, by the people arming and already being armed if they wanted to take up arms against the government and overthrow the government. That's how seriously the founding fathers feared the government becoming exactly what we have today. And so right now we have people fearing the government. I'll tell you a story, a quick story. I just, uh, I've been doing some repairs around my house. I've lived here many years. It's an older house built in 1937. So I kind of remodeled it a little bit when I moved, you know, after I stayed here a while and redid the concrete and we have trees. So the trees lifted up the concrete and then have everything here is pretty old. So, uh, so I needed to redo some concrete, about $4,000 worth of work. And so we went and got a building permit and the building permit was 9% of the job. In other words, the, the, uh, the we figured the cost was 4000 and the building permit came in at $360. The guy came out, was, was here left in 30 minutes, uh, did not do any research. It was a boilerplate type uh, schematic. He handed the concrete guy to show the type of uh, slope and the thickness and stuff for a city sidewalk. Uh, it was, it came right, I could see it came right out of a manual. And that's all he gave us. That's all the service they, they offered. And for that, I had to pay $360. And I paid about $1,000 for guys to bring out about a $200,000 worth of equipment, concrete cutting, two, two union uh, concrete cutters. They hauled off three loads of concrete. And for that, I paid $1,000. So I paid the city of Mer And these guys were here about a half a day, right? And I paid $1,000 for guys that actually worked hard and, and actually... Uh, produce something so I could pour my concrete. I paid over a third of that for, for the city, just for the privilege of fixing a, a piece of concrete. It's unbelievable. It's just totally out of hand. 9% tax after we're already paying an 8% tax over an 8% tax. Just if I go down and, uh, and buy an auto part or something like that. It's just, it's a total ripoff in the city of Marysville. And I think it's probably a ripoff where you are. Now, there's, there's a, uh, before I uh, talk about a letter about my friend, from my friend to the school board, I wanted to uh, announce, remind you of an event coming up that's a really important event. And I want to uh, correct uh, a website I've been giving you that I was given wrong. It was given to me incorrectly. It's no big deal. But I just want to clarify it. So it's a Uber County Republican Central Committee. And one of the biggest breakthroughs we've had over the past year is that we've we've uh, re-staffed uh, the Republican, Uber County Republican Central Committee. So we got new officers. 
We have new committee members, and we actually have some spots still on the committee. But we really want to have not a, we don't want to have a committee that's just a sitting committee. We want activists. We want people to go out and get votes. We want people to get people to vote. We want people to get people to run and to back people and help raise funds for people to run. So it's a very uh, it's a booming group. But we need you, and we need your help. So if you're a Yuba County resident. Uh, there's a meeting coming up. I know it's close to Christmas. It's on the 21st, but it's going to be a potluck. It's just not a potluck, not just a potluck, but it's going to be a potluck at the first, about the first 30 minutes. And then at seven o'clock, six thirty potluck, seven meeting. And they're going to have their last meeting of the year. Then they'll start uh, at the start of the year. Then they're going to switch to the third Tuesday of each month, six thirty uh, social hour, social time, 7 p.m. start. So they meet at Hallwood Church, Hallwood Community Church, at 2825 Highway 20. That's very simple. You just go out of Marysville East on Highway 20 until you get to the area of called Hallwood, and it's right across from Cordova Elementary School, and uh, the church there allows them to meet uh, each month. So uh, the website, uh, I finally got it clarified. I had a .org instead of, uh, I mean, I, I had a uh, dot shoot. I had a .com and that uh, .org or .org instead of .com. So I'm going to give you the deals. YCGOP, YCGOP, CC, Central Committee, at gmail.com. If it doesn't work on .com, try .org. I may, I, I'll have to double check it again. But I, the, the whole, one, one of them works, one of them doesn't. So .com or .org. YCGOPCC at gmail.com. Actually, I think it's .org, but uh, check it out. Oh, wait a minute. YCGOPCC at gmail.com. That's the the email. And uh, then it's uh, YubaCountyRCC.com for the website. YubaCountyRCC.com for the website. And uh, if it if it doesn't work, then just put dot org. OK, third Tuesday of each month, go out and get involved, even if you don't want to be a part of the committee or be on the board, uh, be a worker. Right. We need workers. OK. All right. So Joanna Lasaga, who is on on that uh, Yuba County uh, committee, uh, has been going to the uh, she has children in school uh, still. And uh, many people on, on this committee have kids in school or had kids in the, uh, one of the schools in Yuba and Sutter counties. But Joanna Saga and others from the committee have been going to the uh, Marysville Joint Unified School District meetings to uh, question and uh, protest the use of critical race theory uh, curriculum in, in the Marysville Joint Unified School System and other issues like pornography and all other kinds of issues, uh, gender confusion, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but they haven't been received very favorably by, uh, the more, uh, militant, uh, Marysville union, uh, school union people, the Marysville, uh, teachers union. And, uh, nor had they been received, uh, very, uh, warmly by the school board or by the new superintendent of schools, Dr. Asrani, uh, who just moved up here or just, uh, came here from the San Francisco area. So uh, I want to read this letter and uh, 
let's see, we just got a few minutes left, minute and a half. I'm going to read this. Actually, I'm going to wait for a second and read this letter from start to finish after we start. Let me just go back up and just say, listen, um, please go and get involved. If you don't, if you can't make it on, I understand it's kind of close to, to Christmas, 1221. But uh, I just want to encourage you to go to that meeting. And we're also, our hope is to see a renewal and a reformation of the Sutter County uh, Republican Central Committee as well. If you're not from the area, then Yuba and Sutter County have uh, the county seats of Marysville and Yuba City are just a river uh, width apart. And so we have, if you flew over this area, it would just look like one community, Yuba City and Marysville. And so we have the the bulk of the population of the two counties is clustered right around these a couple of rivers that come through the valley here. So therefore, uh, we we really are two counties in one, but we have, we have separate jurisdictions. So I want to encourage you, if you're a Yuba County uh, person, to get involved in the Yuba County Republican Central Committee, and we'll have more information on Sutter County Republican Central Committee as time goes on. So for the new folks uh, that are touching base here, uh, however you got to us, you can get a, get us off the uh, your podcast source or, or you can go to my website at uh, nohostagesradio.com and, uh, and, and check in with us there. And so we'll be right back. We're going to do five more segments, six segments in all, about 20 minutes apiece, okay? So we'll be... Democrat politicians want to abort preborn babies 24 7, 365. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com minute. Abortion lover Gavin Newsom and his Democrat politicians are scheming to make California a sanctuary state for abortion. Their goal? Spending your money on gas and hotels to bring out-of-state pregnant mothers to California. You and the babies will pay. Can you imagine cars, trucks, or buses, all funded by California taxpayers, going to the homes of pregnant mothers as young as age 13 in other states to bring them back to California and pay pay for hotel rooms and more until the day their babies are murdered at an abortuary. Newsom's dream is our nightmare. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. This is 153 pages of the confidential agreement between Moderna and the U.S. government. And it goes back to 2015. What? Jason, what was happening in 2015? Uh, Frankenstein coronavirus. That's right. The same time Dr. Barrick and Dr. Xi published their paper on the new Frankenstein coronavirus. In fact, let's skip down to page 104. It shows that the NIH and Moderna were collaborating with Dr. Barrick. Wow. His signature is on page 106 of the Material Transfer Agreement. But let's get back up to the top 
of this specific agreement. The NIH appears to be transferring the mRNA tech to Dr. Barrick. But look what they want to make clear. Quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by the NIAID and Moderna. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. I mean, I've seen ulterior motives before, but usually you see them coming. Did you know that the government co-owns the vaccine? Oh, by the way, this is not part of the Trump's thing. This is, this is not part of that. This is 2015. Mm. The same government that is now mandating its use owns the vaccine. Mm. Yeah, I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason, unless of course you have a reason and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open and all stores must close unless of course they need to stay open. This virus is deadly. But don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people. And it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless, of course, you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus the virus remains active on different surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours, but in most cases it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air, unless the air is plastic. Schools are closed, so you need to homeschool your children unless you can send them to school because you are not home. If you are at home, you can school your children using various portals and online classrooms unless you have poor internet, more than one child, only one computer, or you are working from home. Baking cakes can be considered math, science, or art. If you are home educating, you can include household chores within their education curriculum. And if you are home educating, you may start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. every day. If you are not home educating children, you may also start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. Masks are useless at protecting you against the virus but you still need to wear one because it can save lives. And in some cases it may even be mandatory, but also maybe not. You must not go to work, but you can get another job at which point you may go to work. Stay home. I don't know how many more celebrities we need to have tell you how important it is to go outside and take care of your mental health. There is no shortage of groceries in the supermarket. There are simply many things missing. You don't need to go buy a bunch of toilet paper, but you should buy some in case you need it. If you are sick, you may go out once you are better, but those in your household, they cannot go out once you are better, unless, of course, they need to go out. Animals are not affected by the virus, except for that cat that tested positive in Belgium in February, plus a couple tigers. The number of corona-related deaths will be announced daily, but we don't know how many people are infected because we were only testing those who are almost dead to determine if that's what they will die of. The people who die of corona who are not counted won't or will be counted, but maybe not. To help protect yourself during these times, you should be eating well and exercising, but exercising only eating what you have at home to avoid going to the stores unless you need toilet paper or a fence panel. It's important to get fresh air, but don't go to parks, but do go walk in other places. Just don't sit down unless you are old or pregnant 
But if you do sit down, don't sit for too long, unless you are old and you are pregnant, in which case you need to sit down. But if you do sit down, don't eat, unless you've had a long walk, which you are allowed to do if you are old or pregnant, except for times in which you aren't. And finally, no businesses will go down due to coronavirus, except those businesses that go down due to COVID-19. I hope this cleared up any questions about what we should and should not be doing during this time. Please educate your friends and family with this information so we can remove any and all confusion surrounding this time. Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, so I'm going to read this letter, which is a good letter, and um, I hope it gets your attention. And I, if you're in any of the school districts uh, here, uh, they're in trouble. Our school districts in California are in big trouble, and I have more to talk about them later if I have time to get back into schools later. But it says, uh, Dear Board Members and Dr. Asrani from Joanna Lasaga, I'm writing this email to tell you how disgusted, disappointed, and absolutely flabbergasted by how the board meeting went on uh, December 14, 2021. When we began discussing the equity, equity in quotes, item on the agenda, Dr. Asrani spoke in brief detail about how she was asking us to listen to the presentation given by the MUTA employees. That's the, the union. The definition of equity is the quality of being fair and impartial. When a superintendent does not like the ruling of an agendized item and then asks a board member to bring it on back, it reeks of unethical behavior. In other words, the board had voted one way on an agendized item. I'm just giving you a, I'm explaining what happened. And then the, after they voted one way, then then the superintendent said, I want to bring I want to bring that back and vote on it again. See if we can get a change when a board sticks to three minutes of speaking time for everyone on an agendized item. As a rule, that is what has to be followed. <clears throat> so when the board decides to let the MUTA employees speak to an agendized item for 16 point 16 minutes and 45 seconds, but yet the parents and the community are only allowed three minutes or not at all. Again, it speaks of sheer bias and unprincipled behavior. When Dr. Asrani wants to speak at the board meeting and tell us, and I quote, we will open the doors to the conversation and I can promise that that's what we will do because that is what the board is directing me to do. End of quote. The board nor the superintendent have no intention of listening to the parents or the community. I believe that has been made abundantly clear in the way that the parents are treated. I did not make any comments, motions, or derogatory statements I sorry, I got distracted. I did not make any comments, motions, or derogatory statements. I actually gave it 200% of my attention to the presentation on equity, listening with an open mind, thinking we can certainly come to some sort of an agreement. 
I was treated with complete and utter disrespect, disregard, and humiliation. I don't know if you could hear what your chosen people, the MUTA people, were saying about me while I was speaking. But here are some examples. That's privilege. You need to sit down. Your time is up. I actually complimented some of them, Lasaga says, and said, I think we are not that far apart on our beliefs. I was not rude. Dr. Asrani, when you speak about only having one member of the community comment on the agendized item, you give the impression that only one voice doesn't matter. Well, I have, you know, that my phone blows up during the board meetings with teachers who are afraid of union retaliation that are texting me and telling me to keep up the good work. Not all of us believe or agree with the union. I have parents who have to get up at four in the morning telling me that they apologize for not being able to be there. Some are still at work or they have to get up too early to stay at a meeting until 930 at night. You could have reached out to me to give a presentation on how the group of people that attended the meeting meetings with me think about the equity subject. But no, you didn't because you didn't want to hear from the parents or the community. I'm very saddened by the whole debacle that you want to say say is fair and equitable. This board has become an embarrassment. Mr. Davis needs to study parliament, parliamentary procedure because it is blatantly obvious that he knows nothing about it, and you and yet you want him to be the example to lead the board? In my opinion, it is a very poor choice. At one point, while I have been going to these board meetings, it is it's been suggested by Dr. Greco to meet to work out ideas on the COVID protocols. We have a meeting and we had a meeting and within five minutes of being there, he tells us that nothing is going to change. Again, it is blatantly obvious that you and your board want nothing to do with the parents or the community. Even Mr. Rasmussen says in an open meeting that he will not listen to the community or the parents. I am not sure where one goes from here, but I will tell you I am not going away and I will do everything in my power to continue to stand up for the teachers, parents, and most of all, the students who do not have a voice that is being heard. I will be their voice, rest assured. I sincerely wish you all a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hopefully in the new year we can find some common ground. May you take some this time to reflect on our main goal, the students of Marysville Joint Unified School District. Now, if anybody's done any research on the school systems of California in the 1960s, they were number one in the nation. And now I, I, I used to say we were last, but I've seen some statistics that said we, we aren't actually last. But I would say we're in the bottom 10 percent of all schools uh, in the nation. And it's and what's being taught here. I don't know uh, what's. I'm going to play a clip at the very end of the show today by a Jewish doctor slash rabbi in New York by the name of Vladimir Zelenko. And he talks about that you need to take your kids out of school because there's, I can't, he says something like he doesn't use term sucking, but they're, they're sucking the soul out of the kids. They're they're It's, it's worse than lousy education. When you don't have any moral bent, when you can't pray, when you don't have any moral bent, when you mock Jesus, when when the school campus is a religious free zone, uh, you teach, uh, you actually make commonplace immorality, like homosexuality, 
transsexuality, all the weird sexualities, when you make that commonplace and normal and you endorse it, uh, you suck the soul out of, out of kids and uh, you suck the life out of them. We need to do more than just teach kids facts and trivia. Uh, and you're not doing it. I have a, uh, a an article here that I'm just going to touch on. You can look at it at Natural News. If you if you it says no more flunking. California school districts drop D and F grades for high schoolers. Let me just say it again. If you want to Google it or duck duck go it, no more flunking. California school districts drop drop D and F grades. For high schoolers, it's an article uh, by Raymond Tomey and uh, says several school districts in California dropped DNF grades for high school students. Authorities for the districts claim that the move seeks to re-engage students in schools as they return to in-person learning alongside boosting the chances of getting into the state colleges and universities. Now, if you listen to Thomas Sowell, the great economist, he he shows by statistics that when they allow blacks, for instance, to get preferred entrance into schools that they can't qualify for on their grades, they fl- they fl- uh, flunk out. In other words, this is it's kind of like saying, "Oh, uh, we need a machinist," and you've never done any machinist work, but somebody says, "Well, he's got a good attitude," so he goes in and cuts his finger off, right? Or he doesn't know what he's doing, so he gets fired. Do you think that's good for the kid? Or should you train him? So when a person goes in that's not equipped for college or can't perform at a high level, like some colleges are just more difficult to get through than others. And so Sowell's argument is when when you try to leverage blacks or Hispanics into colleges that they haven't performed high enough to get in on their own, they fail. And that isn't a really good experience, right? So what they what these guys are saying is that these kids that are failing, you're actually gonna uh, they're gonna give them a C, B, or A, so that they'll, they'll get access to the the universities or state college system in California, and then that will uh, they will be successful in those universities while they failed in high school. Does that make any sense to you? It I think it's just crazy. Uh, so it says, uh, KRON4 report also mentioned that the students unable to pass the final exam and finish their homework by the end of the semester will receive an incomplete grade. The idea is to encourage students to learn the course material without worrying about possible poor grades. When somebody's working on your car, do you want them to work? be concerned about whether the car is going to be fixed properly when they deliver it back to you. We're teaching kids to not be concerned about the outcome. And then they start talking about what we're really interested in that the kids learn something. How do you determine what a kid learns without testing them? It's absolutely complete nonsense. The idea is to encourage students to learn the course material without worrying about possible poor grades that can prevent admission to institutions like University of California, really, you're going to go to Berkeley and you can only pull straight D's or F's or California State University, Cal State. The, the district's decision to drop DNF grades follows some public schools in the state, giving students the option to convert the letter grades to do all pass or fail. Unbelievable. Uh, 
Based on reports from several educators, many students who receive D grade work uh, to receive a D grade only to avoid failing. In other words, they don't work very hard. They just they just do enough to get by. Crazy. It's totally crazy. So um, let me see here. My let me I'm going to I'm going to go down and and jump out of schools. There's a lot more to be said there, but not everybody's happy about it. And uh, one of the schools we're in Northern California where I'm broadcasting from. So the school district closest to us that is going to do that is the Sacramento Unified School District. And uh, that is a bummer. I feel bad for the kids. But my pitch to you is that you need to get your kids out of school. Now, I have a friend that they they quit sending their kids to school and they sent the cops out to the house because they're so disgusted with the school system. And so they sent police to the house and uh so they said, oh, we're going to send you to the Student Attendance Review Board that's called SARB. And they called me. They said, what's up with all this, Lou? We don't understand all this. And I said, listen, just get them into – sign them up for school somewhere. Get them into homeschool. And so Marysville Joint Unified, where the kids went, said – and there's no – they said, we don't want to go to your school. They said, we, we'll try – they said, what are you going to do? And they said, we don't know what we're going to do yet. We just don't want to do this. This is bad over here. So they uh, said, well, maybe we'll go to homeschool. He said, well, we don't have any homeschool slots left at Marysville Joint Unified, so you can't go there. Well, when they called me, I said, hey, there's lots of homeschool. So anyway, they got enrolled. My, here's my point. If you're thinking about leaping out of the homeschool deal, start doing research. And if you want to, some leads on there's lots of different homeschool organizations that will cover you and provide a teacher for you uh, and, and and manage your kids, mentor your kids. So if you need some leads and you don't know where to ask or where to go, you can call Church of Glad Tidings. I'll give you the number and ask for the people that run Arrow Education. And that, all that is, it doesn't cost anything. It's just a support group. They meet together on Wednesdays, and they're there to help you get into a homeschool situation that works really well for you and get a curriculum that works well for you and the kids. So I'm going to give you the number. Here it is, 530-671-3160. Call Tuesday through Friday. And uh, if you uh, get an answering machine, just say, hey, can somebody from Arrow Education call me back? I need help on homeschooling or just ask them if you get somebody live on the phone. You can look up, uh, if you go to the website at churchofgladtidings.com and then uh, churchofgladtidings.com and enroll your cursor over uh, just the, the word ministries, there'll be a drop down where you can click on Arrow Education and you, it may give you some straight phone numbers there where you can, and information. Uh, and there's a lot of, there are about a hundred kids showing up there on Wednesdays that are all homeschool kids. So if you want to do homeschool, there are private schools. There's also a private school called Epic EPEC out there at the same campus, but there are other, there are other schools around town. So don't feel hemmed in by the public school system. I'm telling you, even though there's people like Joanna Lasaga and many others that are fighting the fight against the school boards, uh, there's many people, they just, they, the best thing for them is just move on and get their kids out of school. Now the government is trying to they're putting a full well i used to play basketball so we had a concept called the full court press that's where the opposing team the team that's on defense doesn't go back and wait for you to come down the court they they just 
make the basket and stay right there and and they contest you right there there's a full court press going on in the school system right now and so the school system now is under social services which is what that means cps is really involved big time so i got a call this week from a couple uh, from one of the gals that uh glad tidings and she said hey a couple in the church they had a baby and they you know they test the blood and everything babies and moms and all that and so baby was fine and mom had showed up had some barbiturates in her system according to the test and so without even taking a second test at adventist health they went and called cps and rolled out some social workers and then they went and took another test and the test came up totally clean so then they said they're going to open a case I, I i was just waiting for him to take the baby oh we're going to open a case against you she said well i don't do drugs and Maybe your test is wrong. Have you ever been to the doctor and they run a test and said you had cancer or whatever, or you had something, and then they ran a test later on and said, oh, no, we, I guess it was, made, it was a fluke, <laughs> right? I In my 40s, now I'm almost 100, in my 40s, I went to have just a checkup or whatever, and they checked my blood, and I had a high PSA level, and that means in the men's prostate world, that that's bad news, right? And I was only in my 40s. They said, oh, we want to do a biopsy. That's when they put you in the hospital and jam needles up your crotch, right, and and tap into the prostate. And and uh, I thought about it for a few days. I said, I'll forget it. And uh, so then they took my blood test again, and it was, it, was, it was not, it was normal. So what I'm saying to you is tests like the PCR test when you don't have any symptoms with COVID and they just test you and you feel fine. And it tests positive. Those positives are 98 or 99% wrong for people that are asymptomatic. I'm telling you, so they, they tested this young couple and they scared the hell out of them is what they did. And so they called me what to do. And I said, they said, oh, we want you to sign a contract with CPS so we can tell you what to do with your life. Go to classes, go to this test once a week. I told them to go tell them to go fly a kite. They wanted to, wanted them to go visit their home and check their home. I said, I would l- tell them to go get a warrant. Are you kidding me? The government comes in and they just, they have a test and then it tests clean. And then say, Oh, cause you tested dirty. You're, same blood. You're sitting in the same bed and two different tests. And they said, well, now that we're over here, we're going to like put you under our auspices, right? We're going to manage you, right? Just like Dr. Lou wants to run around and manage everybody that has the sniffles in two counties, right? That's not freedom. That's not America. That's Nazism. That's communism. So anyway, that's what's going on in the world. So I, my suggestion to you is get out of the public system. If you can go, go to, if you can't afford a private school, I know they cost money and you're all, many of you, uh, you don't have enough money to do that. Or you're, you think, Hey, I'm already paying for the public schools, but listen, you're screwed at the public schools. They're taking your money. No matter whether you go, they take my money. I haven't had a kid in public school for 30 years. I'm still paying for the public schools and they're teaching stuff that I don't even believe in. They teach in communism is cool. So you can homeschool and the, and you just have to purchase a curriculum or maybe even the homeschool system will give you curriculum unless you want something personal that you like. Okay. So listen, there's a lot of options. If I, if you get stuck and you want help, just text me five, three, zero, seven, one, three, 
888-789-1838. Or if, if you don't have that kind of phone, you can just email me at Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. You got that? Lou at nohostagesradio.com. And I'll give you I'll give you whatever help I can. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll solve it for you if you want to do what I want to do. But I'm not going to tell you you should do this or you should do that. But I'm, I'm telling you, with all the help there is on the Internet, with YouTube tutors, with tutors, live tutors from your, you know, the the homeschooling uh, organizations will actually help you usually assign a teacher to your child and will monitor your your uh, child through the system. It's not just you and your child in a stack of books. So, but there's all kinds of cool stuff nowadays that wasn't available in the 1980s when homeschool really took off. And, and thousands and thousands of people are moving out of pu- public schools every week because they're, they're prop, it's dogma and it's propaganda. They are sucking the life out of your kid, I'm telling you. So we'll be right back our, for our third uh, segment. Gentlewoman from Georgia is recognized. We've heard a lot about text messages. I'd like to the Democrats and the people on the January 6th committee to produce their text messages, Mr. Speaker, denouncing Antifa BLM riots that raged across American cities for a year. I would love to read those. But instead, we saw Democrats encourage, incite, and continue to call these riots peaceful. And then when they got arrested and put in jail, they bailed them out so they could go out and riot some more. I rise in opposition to this resolution to hold Mark Meadows in contempt of Congress because it's being held by nothing but a kangaroo court. Congress's job is to make laws, not enforce them. That's the role of the executive and the judicial branch of this government. But somehow the communists here in charge have forgotten, or no, not forgotten, are purposely abusing the Constitution and what this, this body of Congress is supposed to do. You see, when we go to this level, to the point where we're forgetting and abusing what our power is, then the American people will trust us no more. And that is exactly what the January 6th committee is doing. Sometimes, to defend basic principles like free speech or a free press, you have to defend people you may find distasteful, maybe even people you loathe. And with that in mind, we need to talk about Julian Assange. I think these espionage charges against the WikiLeaks guy are a huge deal and a very dark development. They have him locked up in the highest security prison, 23 hours a day in solitary confinement. This has been going on for a long time, and it's just how dumb we are that it took us a very long time, years, to ask the obvious question, what exactly did Julian Assange do wrong? Everyone, all good people hate Julian Assange. What was his crime exactly? It is not the same kind of criminal allegation they made against him in the initial indictment. It's not some hacking computer crime like they originally charged him with. These new charges are trying to prosecute Assange for publishing. Publishing things that the people sent to him. He was a journalist, he was an editor. That's literally true. And newspapers and magazines and investigative journalists publish secret stuff all the time. That is the bread and butter of what we do. Julian Assange brought you information that you had a right to know. 
I would also point out the irony that the US government has spent the past decade pursuing Assange while failing to prosecute any of the alleged war crimes by US military personnel that Assange and WikiLeaks revealed. Relating to two horrible wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, that we absolutely should not be a part of. What this is, is now a novel legal effort to punch a huge hole in the First Amendment. The first part of our Bill of Rights. By labeling it criminal espionage to publish secret stuff. I don't even think the charges make any sense against him. A new legal doctrine, a whole new legal lane for the U.S. government that's never existed before, where anyone who publishes stuff the government doesn't want published gets prosecuted by the Justice Department under the most serious statutes imaginable, facing long prison terms for doing it. He's being charged for what journalists do every day. This is, to put it bluntly, wrong, unconstitutional, and downright tyrannical. What he published was truthful information that the American public and the world had the right to see. He's right. a publisher, just like Jack, we are. Jack. Assange's publishing of classified information runs afoul of the law. So does the work of just about every single press outlet, this one included. It would fundamentally change the balance of power between the people and our government. Take the children and yourself and hide out in the cellar. Now the fighting will be close at hand. Don't believe the church and state and everything all right. they um, tell you. First of all, I want to uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And uh, we have, of course, we're going to do a show on... Uh, Christmas Saturdays on Christmas and so uh we'll be doing a show on Saturday as well and uh so it'll be a fresh show or and of course you can listen to it whenever you want but we're going to do a show and we're going to do a live show on KMYC that day uh so you can check that out I'm uh I wanted to mention a couple other sponsors and then I'm going to uh, play a long clip that is a clip by Peter uh, with Peter McCullough being interviewed by Joe Rogan on his show. Peter McCullough is one of the most outstanding leading doctors in the United States of America. He's, um, anyway, I, I don't, I don't see any need to tout his, uh, background. He, he's again, one of the most, uh, educated and uh, leading heart and renal specialists in the United States. And, um, He's being interviewed by Joe Rogan, and it's going to be about a 16-minute clip. But uh, I, my purpose is I want you to um, I, I want I want to save some of your lives actually because some of you are not vaccinated, and and you you're getting tempted to be vaccinated because you're getting pressure from your employer or people or relatives that don't know what they're talking about. And I've had numbers of my friends die after being vaccinated, both here and overseas. And so uh, I'm uh, this. You need to listen really closely. I'm going to play this straight. There's three separate clips that are going to be run together and it's blockbuster information. But uh, before we get there, I'm going to uh, just give a shout out for one one more of my sponsors. That's Thrifty Rooter and that's thriftyrooter.net. R-O-O-T-E-R, thriftyrooter.net. These guys will uh will fix your plumbing problems whether you got a pipe screwed up toilet screwed up water issues screwed up or you need your septic tank pump these guys will get it done quickly for you they're looking for workers they will train you and so uh 
You can reach them at 530-673-8201, 673-8201, or you could go to their website and you can order up service right off their website. Check off what your problem is, write it up. You can write in the box, boom, boom, type it, type it, and just say send, and it'll go over there and they will deal with it. They have, they have, uh, 911 operators, plumbing 911 operators waiting to to hear your problem and they'll solve solve it for you. Listen, these guys aren't novices. They aren't just getting started in business. They're not fly by night. They've been here for over 40 years. That's amazing. The Artemico family and uh, Bill Artemico and his wife, Carla. So uh, just give them a shot and they'll, they'll make you happy. 530-673-8201. Here we go. We're going to listen to Peter McCullough and Joe Rogan. Early multidrug therapy is an outpatient works substantially, and we've had a giant loss of life, a giant number, millions and millions of unnecessary hospitalizations. And it seemed to me, and I've told Tucker Carlson and many others, it seems to me early on there was an intentional, very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. And it seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create acceptance for and then promote mass vaccination. So you believe this is a premeditated thing that they were doing. So they realized that in order to get people enthusiastic about taking this vaccine, the best way to do that was to not have a protocol for treatment. It's not just my idea. Now it's completely laid out by the book by Dr. Pam Popper, the book recently published by Peter Bregan, uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. I wrote one of the uh, introductions, Dr. Lee Fleet and Dr. Vladimir Lysenko wrote the other introductions. These books are basically nonfiction. They have a thousand citations in the Bregan book showing how it was coordinated and planned. Now Bobby Kennedy has his book out, The Real Anthony Fauci. I'm the most uh, mentioned physician in that book. I can tell you, that if you want to find the evidence that Moderna was working on the vaccine before the virus ever emanated out of the lab. China said there was some sort of an outbreak on December 31st. But Dr. Barrick signs a uh, government um, deal with Moderna. I want to I want to read it exactly to you. This this deal was uh, made. It's confidential. It's one hundred and I don't know, 58 pages long. Um, it is, if I skip to page 104, they are entering a specific private confidential agreement. The NIH appears to be transferring technology to Dr. Barrick, but th- what they're making clear is, quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. If you wanted to find the the collusions and the operations between the Gates Foundation and Gavi and CEPI and Pfizer and Moderna and the vaccine manufacturers and the Wuhan lab and the National Institutes of Health and Ralph Barrick and University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and how all this was organized. If you want to see the Johns Hopkins planning seminar called the SPARS pandemic in 2017, where they had a symposium, people showed up, they wrote up their symposium findings, they published this. It says it's going to be a coronavirus. It began in healthy looking pigs months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. It's going to be related to MERS and SARS. It's going to come over here to the United States. It's going to shut down cities and frighten people. There's going to be confusion regarding a drug. 
hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And we're going to utilize all that in order to railroad the population into mass vaccination. How many stations does this go out? It's laid out in the Johns Hopkins SPARS pandemic training seminar. The only thing they got wrong was the year. So you believe this is a premeditated thing that they were doing? It's not just my idea. Now it's completely laid out. You know, there's another point. This is a nuance. I want to get this out. There is a, I want to say, basically misleading paper in the New England Journal of Medicine that says that if one gets COVID, the respiratory illness, they're more likely to get myocarditis than take a vaccine. Okay. I can tell you, I'm a doctor. I've taken care of hundreds and hundreds of COVID patients. I've advised on thousands. By the way, none of the media doctors outside of myself, Steve Smith, and gosh, maybe there's one other on there. I know George Fareed, maybe. I think there's three doctors that America has seen on TV that's actually seen a COVID patient and actually treated COVID patient. That's it. You know, the minority witness in the Senate testimony, uh, Ron Johnson waited about two hours into the testimony. After he was advising on America on how to, how to handle COVID-19, he said, doctor, have you ever seen a COVID patient? Have you ever treated a patient? And he said, no, I haven't. He says, I have no more questions. I'm telling you, there is almost a fraudulent scheme to this. This New England General Medicine paper said, it said that myocarditis more likely in those with COVID-19 than with the vaccine. What we know is that someone sick enough to be in the hospital who's in the ICU can have a small rise in troponin. That's the blood test indicating cardiac injury. But half the people in the ICU have that anyway from pneumococcal pneumonia, staph, sepsis, etc. It's just part of being in the ICU, okay? The Chinese never called that myocarditis. They called that cardiac injury with COVID. The Chinese were right. It's just a troponin elevation. That's it. It's largely inconsequential. There's not, we don't do anything about it. That's very different than the explosive chest pain early heart failure, EKG, and massive troponin rises we see with vaccine-induced myocarditis. They are two completely separate syndromes. What the New England Journal of Medicine paper is, they just use the numbers. If you have lots of adults being admitted to the ICU, you're going to have big numbers of people who have a trivial rise in troponin that's inconsequential. That's different than myocarditis after the vaccine, which has a lower occurrence rate. And why is it myocarditis after the vaccine? Like, why is the vaccine inducing myocarditis at such a high rate when they're both, it's the spike protein is responsible for both of them, correct? I think it's the lipid nanoparticles. And, and, and the lipid nanoparticles are very important. Remember, parts of the body are more lipophilic. They, they, like, they take up lipids better than others. Uh, the heart is interesting. It relies on about 80% of its fuel is fatty acids versus 20% sugar. The skeletal muscles are just the opposite. They're, you know, they're 80% sugar, 20% uh, fatty acids. So uh, we know that the lipid nanoparticles are almost certainly taken up in the heart preferentially. They're definitely taken up in the ovaries and the corpus luteum. The ovaries taken up in the adrenals. We know that they go to the brain. There's been enough autopsy studies of freshly vaccinated people. You can see what gets seeded. The vaccine goes everywhere in the body within a matter of hours. The vaccine seeds up in the brain, into the heart, the adrenals, the ovaries, elsewhere. And I think the vaccine actually loads the heart probably with more spike protein that one would ambiently get with a respiratory infection. Because of the liquid nanoparticles. The lipid nanoparticles. Li excuse me, lipid nanoparticles. This is obviously something that most people should know. What, what you're saying is obviously information that most people, when you're talking about a population of 300 plus million people and 200 plus million people have been vaccinated already. 
this I would like to think that this is information that people want to know. I agree. How much does it disturb you that this is being censored? Because on every other platform, this this conversation we're having right now would be censored. Every other online platform, social media, they would censor this for sure on YouTube. But what you're saying is incredibly important. Censorship that has suppressed for two years information on safe and effective early treatment and censorship on vaccine safety has led to large numbers of deaths, hospitalizations, and permanent disability. Joe, there is no bigger public health crisis than the impact of censorship in COVID-19. So they were just general. Remember, the vaccines originally were just offered as they should. They're research. The vaccines are research. They are all investigational research. And so they could, they, nobody can encourage somebody to take a vaccine, by the way. That, that violates the Nuremberg Code. Can't do it. Research is neutral. As a doctor, I can never tell somebody they should take the COVID-19 vaccine. Why? Because same reason why I can't tell them, say, listen, you should be in my research study. You should take my research pill for diabetes. You know, if I told them that you should be in my research study, I'd be sanctioned by the IRB. I'd be called by the FDA. That's out of bounds. We never give any pressure, coercion, or threat of reprisal for participating in research. It violates the Nuremberg Code. And we certainly wouldn't do it with these vaccines because we don't have all the data yet. So, but yet so many people are doing that. Well, they're, I tell you right now, they're walking a line on bioethics that they will be held accountable. You can't do that. You can't do that. No one can. No good doctor can. No good doctor. Now, getting back to vaccine safety. So the idea here is that we have to reconcile with vaccine safety. So the story is... By January 22nd, we already had 182 deaths after the vaccine, January 22nd. For all the vaccines combined, 278 million shots given uh, each year in the United States, kids, adults, me and you, I took two last year, I took one this year, 270 million shots. The average number of deaths that would ever come into our central database, about 150. We've been keeping this database for 20 years. Suddenly, we are at 182. And then it was a very important recognition that many of us had say wait a minute the cdc and fda they didn't have any safety review they didn't have an external uh, critical event committee they didn't have a data safety monitoring committee and they didn't have a human ethics board assigned to the program it turns out we had the wrong agencies leading the program the fda is supposed to be the drug watch uh, government organization they don't lead clinical programs the cdc is supposed to be the outbreak evaluation program they don't lead clinical programs so, in fact, we actually had the wrong – we had, the, in a sense, uh, 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 the fox guarding the chicken coop, in a sense. We had the wrong people leading the programs, and then we didn't have this independent safety committees. So there was nobody to stop the program in February. You know, it, it, normally what happens is you get five deaths after any product that's unexplained. Black box warning. May cause death. You get to 50 deaths. I don't care if it's 50 million, 60 million people take the drug. You get to 50 deaths. It's off the market, and it gets reviewed for safety. I've been involved with these, Joe, at a national level. We never let a drug go on and be associated with 50 deaths afterwards. We were at 182, and there was no safety review. Remember I told you in February I demanded, as a citizen, I demanded a report from the federal government 
We needed a report and a press briefing on vaccine safety and efficacy. We never got it. Can I pause you for a second there? But isn't it rare that a group of people as large as the number of people that are getting vaccinated participates in some, if you want to call it an experiment or whatever it is, but this is essentially a mass inoculation. It's extremely large number of human beings. So if you're getting 182 people we had, that we had a, are well, dying, we had 182 at, shouldn't it be scalable? Well, like, hang on. It, well, we had 182 at 27 million shots. 182, 27 million shots. Right. Remember, the standard is 150 at 278 million shots. Right. So okay. 150 to 278, we had 182 to 27. So, so our, on normal conditions. But the yeah. idea was that people were dying from the pandemic and they were dying from COVID. So, so here's the idea. And this is the best example. There was somebody in my circles around March, came by my house, a guy like you, in shape, you know, came by biking. And him and his wife said, we took the vaccines. We took the vaccines. We're safe. I said, listen, I'm, I'm kind of concerned. By March, we're at 1,200 deaths, Joe, 1,200 deaths. I said, we're at 1,200 deaths. He goes, what are you talking about? We vaccinated 60 million people. 1,200 deaths, small price to pay. I continue the thought in my mind. Small price to pay for the Aryan race. That is the type of thinking that people comes into people's minds, driven out of fear, driven out of mass psychosis, that say, listen, I took the shot. I took a risk. If it kills somebody else, I don't care. Well, that, there is a thing that people that took the shot and took the risk want other people to do the same. That's exactly right. Now, fast forward where we are today. We're at 18,000 deaths. And this is just the VAERS, which is underreported. This, this is VAERS, Vaccine Aversive Event Reporting System. And we know in that system, these are certified by the CDC. So the, the red box report comes up once a week. It's certified by the CDC. That means all these events really happened because they come in as temporary VAERS numbers and then they vet them. So all of these really happened. 18,000 deaths. Uh, there are 30,000 individuals who are permanently disabled after the vaccine. 250,000 emergency room visits, office visits, uh, 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 other healthcare encounters related to the vaccine. We have two separate analyses showing. One from McLaughlin from Queen's University in London, one from Jessica Rose from uh, Canada, showing that 50% that of these deaths occur within 48 hours of the shot, that 80% of the deaths occur within a week. They're very tightly related. We now know that the spike protein after these vaccines is produced in the body for an uncontrolled quantity and an uncontrolled duration of time. And because the antibodies to the spike protein after the vaccine are so high compared to the, the respiratory infection, we now infer that, in fact, one gets a much larger dose of the spike protein after vaccination than the respiratory illness. And in some people, they invariably can't handle the spike protein exposure to the human body. Who dies? McLaughlin looked at this and found that the vast majority of deaths are in seniors, the very people we wanted to protect. So the deaths are occurring in nursing home residents, people in their 80s, high 70s, and on down. McLaughlin took, at, he had 1,200 deaths at the time of the publication, took them and coded the deaths rigorously through the vignettes, independent reviewers, by, by causality. It was actually due to the vaccine. And they ascertained that 86% of the time, there was no other cause outside the vaccine. No other cause. So 86%. 86%. Now. How do, how do they do that when you're dealing with someone who's that old? Well, you have a vignette and you kind of read the vignette. There's been separately nursing home studies. There's one by Kirkendall 
and colleagues that in nursing homes, they had 100 deaths after the vaccine in a nursing home in Scandinavia. So they reviewed the deaths. They came up with a number closer to 40% were directly due to the vaccine. But what I'm saying is just like the respiratory infection takes out people who are teetering on the brink of survival, right? right. The vaccine does the same thing because the vaccine and the respiratory illness are one and the same in terms of the spike protein. We're giving the body back the spike protein in relatively high quantities. And then a whole bunch of things would come out. So in VAERS, to make sure your audience has this down, 18,000 deaths. That's everything reported in. Uh, we know from a paper by Meisner and colleagues before COVID that um, about 86%, 85% of these reports are done by doctors, nurses, or other healthcare professionals. I think the vaccine caused the problem. And uh, also the pharmaceutical manufacturers, only about 14, 15% are done by the patient themselves. We know from uh, the data uh, presented in the whistleblower, there's an FDA whistleblower lawsuit for deaths after the vaccine that was uh, 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 filed by attorney Tom Rents using CMS data. So in CMS, we also know when they got the vaccine and who they died. And it doesn't depend on self-reporting, right? Because CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, they know when people come off the rolls. And there, the underreporting number was established. So we know VARES are underreported by about four to five. So of those 18,000 deaths, 9,000 are domestic, 9,000 are ex-US, but they report through our systems. So if we have 9,000 Americans truly have died after the vaccine and the underreporting number is about five, we're at 45,000 American lives lost. And that's what's in the uh, FDA. That's the lawsuit against the FDA. All right. That's Peter McCullough. And we're, we run a little long here. So I'm just going to go to uh, our next break and you'll, you'll hear a few clips and then I'll be back. All right. Hold on. And finally, new rule, instead of putting a Bible in hotel rooms, we should start putting a dictionary in there. <laughs> because apparently nobody knows what words mean anymore. George Carlin famously had the seven words you can't say on TV. Well, here's my eight words people need to stop redefining. Hate, victim, hero, shame, violent, survivor, phobic, and white supremacy. <laughs> Comedian uh, Hannah Gadsby characterized Dave Chappelle's controversial Netflix special as hate speech dog whistling. Well, dog whistle refers to when someone puts things in code because they're afraid to come out and say what they really think. That's what you get from Dave Chappelle? <laughs> He's afraid to say what he really thinks? And it's not hate speech just because you disagree with it, nor is it phobic. Phobic comes from the Greek word for something one fears irrationally, like spiders or germs. But now is used as a suffix for anything you just don't like. I've been called commitment-phobic. No, I, I don't fear commitment. I just don't want it. But, 
Other people do. Great. I don't call them single-phobic. <laughs> I don't like bowling. I'm not bowling-phobic. <laughs> and if I talk about how wrong I think it is to force women to wear a beekeeper suit all day, <laughs> that's not being Islamophobic. I just don't like it. And I bet they don't either. I went as a ghost for Halloween once. I lasted about 20 minutes. <laughs> Also in the category of, we just don't like it, so we're pretending it's something else, is the word violence. Last year, there was a staff mutiny at the CBS drama All Rise when some of the writers... <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant victims... <laughs> ..took issue with a scene where two women are in an elevator and a naked man gets on and they just continue talking calmly. And if you think that's offensive, you should see how the guy pushed the button. <laughs> But the writers on this show found the scene objectionable and sent off an email saying, two women would not calmly continue a conversation with a naked white guy running into the elevator. That is violence. <laughs> no, it's not. Violence is when it hurts. It usually involves leaving a mark of some kind. Of course, innumerable things can lead to violence, but I'm sorry, you can't take that word and use it for stuff that's just scary to you or just verbal which is something I literally learned in kindergarten. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but if you don't know how that one ends, you need to repeat kindergarten. Right. I wanted to cover an article that uh, was passed on to me. Title of it is U.S. Hospitals, Fraud, Murder, Cash, Federal Assassination for Hire Program. I'll say it again. It's by John Rappaport, R-A-P-P-O-P-O-R-T. John, J-O-N, Rappaport. U.S. Hospitals, colon, Fraud, Murder, Cash, semicolon, Federal Assassination for Hire Program. Uh, this will fit right in uh, with what you just heard from the Joe Rogan program. Thomas Rents, who I've, I've never met, but I, I saw him speak in, in Los Angeles here a couple of months ago. Uh, Thomas Rents has, has been taking on the medical uh, system that has uh, been corrupted by politics and has been has instead of being patient oriented has been profit oriented has been allowing people to die that didn't need to die. And so, uh, Thomas Rents has been doing research at the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services, and also been, being, uh, been getting information from whistleblowers from that organization. Uh, that's a federal, uh, federal agency centers for Medicare and Medicaid services. They're handling all the, the, um, medical, uh, payments and uh, all that kind of stuff that hospitals bill and doctors. So uh, they've calculated Thomas Rents, the attorney and whistleblowers, workers for Medicare and Medicaid have calculated that hospitals are receiving a total federal payment 
of at least $100,000 per COVID patient. So when you go over to Adventist Health, which is our local uh, health office or health uh, uh, hospitals, for goodness sakes, uh, in in Yuba Sutter counties, and they're twisting your arm to stay. Like I just had one of my friends out of Missouri who listened to this program tell me that he had COVID. He I think he went to the hospital, got got checked over, was had COVID, went back home, and the hospital kept calling him to come back and go into the hospital. And he said, I don't want to go in the hospital and quit bugging me. Now, the reason they're bugging him is because they're going to get this huge payment. So there's a, a, a doctor, medical doctor, Elizabeth Lee Vliet, V-L-I-E-T, and an attorney by the name of Ali, A-L-I, Schultz, uh, wrote an article called Biden's Bounty on Your Life, Hospitals Incentive Payments for COVID-19. And it says, I'm going to read some of this. These are just some excerpts. Upon admission to the once trusted hospital, American patients with COVID-19 become virtual prisoners subjected to a rigid treatment protocol for rationing medical care in the over age 50 group. They have a shockingly high mortality rate. Next clip. As exposed in audio recordings, hospital executives in Arizona admitted meeting several times a week to lower standards of care with coordinated restrictions on visitation rights. Most COVID-19 patients' families are deliberately kept in the dark about what is really being done to their loved ones. Next, the combination that enables this tragic and avoidable loss of hundreds of thousands of lives includes, number one, the CARES Act, which provides hospitals with a bonus incentive payments for all things related to COVID-19. For for example, testing, diagnosing, admitting to the hospital, using remdesivir, and using ventilators, reporting COVID-19 deaths. You get money for that and for vaccinations. And number two, waivers of customary and longstanding patient rights by Centers for Medicare and Medi-Cal, Medicare and Medicaid Services. So in other words, they're waiving the, the longstanding patient rights for, and they use this emergency excuse. Next clip. In 2020, the Texas Hospital Association submitted requests for waivers to CMS According to Texas Attorney Jerry Ward, CMS has granted waivers of federal law regarding patients' rights. Specifically, CMS purports to allow hospitals to violate the rights of patients or their surrogates with regard to medical record access, to have patient visitation, and to free uh, free from seclusion. The purported waivers are meant to isolate and gain total control over the patient and deny, deny patient and patient's decision-making maker the ability. In other words, deny the patient and the patient's decision-maker the ability to exercise informed consent. Next segment. Creating a national pandemic emergency, in quotes, provided justification for such sweeping actions that override individual physician medical decision-making and patients' rights. The CARES Act provides incentives for hospitals to use treatments dictated solely by the federal government under the auspices of the National Institute of Health. These bounties, in quotes, must, must be paid back if not earned 
by making the COVID-19 diagnosis and following the COVID-19 protocol. That was, that's why everybody was being called COVID-19 because it doesn't matter. That's why there was no flu. There was no pneumonia. There's no anything. They called it COVID-19, 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 because every time they did, the cash register rang. The hospital payments include, these are the, the different types of payments. A free required PCR test in the emergency room or upon admission for every patient with government paid fee to hospital. Next, added bonus payment for each positive COVID-19 diagnosis. Next, another bonus for a COVID-19 admission to the hospital. Next, a 20% boost bonus payment from Medicare on the entire hospital bill for use of remdesivir instead of medicines such as ivermectin. Next, another and larger bonus payment to the hospital if a COVID-19 patient is mechanically ventilated. Next, more money to the hospital if a cause of death is listed as COVID-19, even if the patient did not die directly of COVID-19. Next, a COVID-19 diagnosis also provides extra payments to the coroners. I didn't know that. CMS implemented value-based payment programs that track data such as how many workers at a healthcare facility receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Now we see why many hospitals implemented COVID-19 vaccine mandates of all their employees, right? They are paid more for that. Next, outside hospitals, physician MIPS, which means Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, so outside the hospitals, physicians, the merit-based incentive payment system, quality metrics link doctor's income. Listen to this, because we had, remember, I have all that list of doctors that endorsed the vaccine as what? Fully tested, safe, and effective. We took it. You should too. Endorse, endorse, endorse. And you heard what McCullough said about violation, violating the Nuremberg Code. I, I don't want to spend time there. So in other words, there's bonuses for doctors, spiffs for their income to performance-based pay for treating patients with COVID-19 EUA drugs. In other words, don't use ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. So why aren't these doctors helping? They're using these emergency use authorization drugs. Failure to report information to CMS can cost the physician 4% of reimbursement. Next, because of obfuscation or confusion with medical coding, in other words, they're very, very hard to know. Most people don't even understand medical coding. Because of obfuscation with medical coding and legal jargon, we cannot be certain of the actual amount each hospital receives per COVID-19 patient. But attorney Thomas Renz and CMS uh, whistleblowers have calculated a total payment of at least $100,000 per patient. Next, there are deaths from the government-directed COVID treatments. For remdesivir, studies show that 71 to 75% of patients suffer an adverse effect, and the drug often had to be stepped, stopped after 5 to 10 days because of these effects. What are those effects? The kidney and liver are damaged, and death happens. 
Remdesivir trials during the 2018 West African Ebola outbreak had to be discontinued because the death rate exceeded 50% of people that took remdesivir. Yet in 2020, Anthony Fauci directed the rem- that remdesivir was to be the drug hospital used to treat COVID-19. Even when the COVID-19 clinical trials on remdesivir showed similar adverse effects as down in Africa. In ventilated patients, the death toll is staggering. A National Library of Medicine January 2021 report of 69 studies involved more than 57,000 patients concluded that the fatality rates were 45% in COVID-19 patients receiving invasive mechanical ventilation, and it increased to 84% in older folks. Rents announced at a Truth for Health Foundation press conference that CMS data showed that in Texas, hospitals 84.9 percent of all patients died after more than 96 hours on the ventilator you remember that insisted on the ventilator remember we we were changing factories to make changing what factories did to make ventilators and they were delivering rendisivir killing hundreds of thousands of people next point it's making then there are deaths from restrictions on effective treatments from the hospital patients in other words they the doctors like dr fong uh, Joseph Mengele Lou in Yuba Sutter County prevented and spoke against hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, sent people from the hospital home and said, don't take anything until you really get bad. Then come back here. We'll put you on the vent. Crazy. Rents and a team of data and analysts have estimated that more than 800,000 deaths in America's hospitals in COVID-19 and other patients have been caused by approaches restricting fluids restricting nutrition, restricting antibiotics, effective antiviral, anti-inflammatories like budesonide, and therapeutic doses of anticoagulants. So here's some highlights from the end of the article. This is basically, this is a conclusion to this attorney and this doctor wrote this together. This method of the covid 19 treatment is basically a federally incentivized protocol for murder to say it violates every code of medical ethics would be a vast understatement it's cash for death there are many doctors and nurses who work in these hospitals who know what they're doing who know they're following orders that result in the deaths of their patients but they keep doing it they would rather murder their patients than lose their jobs And there are many employees at the FDA and NIH and other public health agencies who also know the score, keep their heads down, and facilitate murder. Uh, It's called, uh, I call it hospital homicide or mandate murder. There are many so-called journalists who work at mainstream outlets who know what's going on and they say nothing. Mass murder is central to the overall COVID program, but feel free to think that the vet but feel free to think that the vaccine on the other hand is pure and safe and essential. The people running the show just want to kill some and save others. Sure. That makes perfect sense. If anyway, I'm going to leave it there. If you want to read the article, I'll give it to you again by John J O N Rappaport, R A P P O P O R T. It's U.S. Hospitals, Fraud, Murder, Cash, Federal Assassination for Hire Program. 
This is what I've been saying for a long time. Uh, I didn't know the exact figures, but I kept getting uh, little clips like 38000 for this, 16000 for this, 20% boost for this. Rents has got whistleblowers now that are that are dialing in at a hundred thousand dollars a piece. That's why my my next door neighbor and other people I know were when they went to the hospital and had a fever. They actually had symptoms from the illness. Instead of being treated preventively with ivermectin, vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, D three, and given some help, they sent them home with zero zero and said if you start having trouble breathing then come now the other thing is my 84 year old lady friend that i met recently who listens to the show came to me i got her some uh wormwood to re- to substitute for ivermectin as a prophylactic and she told me she talked to her doctor and she said i want the uh monoclonal ad- antibodies and because they their work they work as a preventive they boost your immune system so you keep from getting really sick and the doctor literally told her, I won't give them to you unless you really get sick enough to go to the hospital and can't breathe. Well, right on the, and I think I mentioned this last week, right on the uh, Regeneron, not Remdesivir, but Regeneron, it's a name of a medical corporation. Regeneron makes monoclonal antibodies back in New York. And they, uh, right on their Regeneron website on, on monoclonal antibodies, they said it, do not give it to people that cannot breathe or are struggling with this illness. You've got to get it in the early stages. The doctor either was uh, trying to get her not to take it or was giving her erroneous malpractice style advice. And I, cl- I clarified for her and encouraged her to go to a different hospital and, and get the monoclonal antibodies and get away from Adventist Health and her doctor, who is also an Adventist doctor. There's something going on at Adventist Health. It's really disappointing to me because I got wonderful, I had a wonderful surgery at Adventist Hospital in, uh, over near towards uh, Santa Rosa. I can't remember the exact place right now. But uh, they did. They were specializing in knee and hip replacements. Got a knee replacement. They were wonderful. I can't say enough good about them. I don't know what's going on with this hospital with this COVID thing, but it's criminal. I'm telling you. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm just. I'm not just throwing words around. It's hospital homicide. It's mandated. It's murder by mandate. And it's killing people. We're killing people in these rest homes by just putting them in there sick. It's a criminal behavior. It's it's. Uh, I, I, I just can't say it. What we have is a low level Nazi, as as a medical uh, health officer. She's a doctor of death. She is telling people what. She is telling people to do things that are going to make them sick and kill them. And, and we have more deaths as a result. If we had had a different health officer than Dr. Liu, we would have had a much healthier community, and there would be a lot of people alive today uh, if, if we wouldn't have had just somebody that's just going to— In other words, if there's ever trials over this, this Dr. Liu is going to be one of those people, low-level people, that just said, I was just doing what I was told. The supervisors of Yuba and Sutter County are also culpable— and they're guilty and they they will also do the same we were just we didn't know any better we were doing what we were told they didn't get a second opinion they didn't get a third opinion they didn't go out and study a lot of them are ignorant 
They're flat brain people. They, they, they are deer in the headlights. They are way over their head. And many, many people have died either from overdose. They've killed themselves. Kids have killed themselves. They talk about being concerned about kids. They concerned about literally Dan Flores and literally kids have killed themselves over the policies that he instigated through doctor, the doctor of death, uh, Dr. Mengele Lu. So, um, Anyway, very disappointing, very intense. Uh, I'm very sad to even have to read that to anybody, but that's that's what's going on here, and uh, it's it's a big problem. Now, the fact is, and and you, <clears throat> I don't even know whether I have this here, but uh, oh, I do have it here, but I don't think I can find it. I'm going to read you some some things here that talks about how many people have died. Uh, from from the COVID, the management of COVID, from uh, how many people, their families have split apart because of the the COVID thing and the pressure that was put on people. Uh, I this eighty uh, four year old woman that talked to me this week, I, I check I've been checking on her uh, because her her uh, grown son has had COVID and uh, seeing how he's doing, and she said, Lou, I've been just. Uh, having anxiety and panic attacks because of all the talk about uh, the pandemic and a new strain and a new variant and a new shot and a new booster. They're just scaring the hell out of our, they're trying to scare the hell out of our entire nation and force people and pressure people into getting the jab, which is killing people left and right and causing babies to be aborted, miscarried the whole works. It's a criminal, it's a criminal event and uh, we need help. We need to just, I'm telling you people, we need to resist at every level. Do not wear a mask. Resist. I know it's tense out there sometimes. Do, do not wear a mask. Do not take the jab. It's poison. It's designed to destroy your immune system. It will kill you. Ignore the doctors. I gave you a list of 20 or so doctors last week and a few weeks before. They're local doctors. Some of you have great respect for. These people are getting paid to say baloney. And they're getting money. They're getting kickback money. That's what this article was about by Thomas Renz. He's no, he's no wacko. He's an attorney that has had it up to his ears with this baloney, and he's fighting it. Okay, we're going to take a break right now and uh, come back with our fifth segment. All right. Congresswoman from the state I can't stand, Wyoming. Uh, I am running this January 6th commission because I don't have a shot at ever being elected to any office in Wyoming or representing Wyoming ever again. So I'm doing this um, simply to possibly get a stint on The View or be a commentator on CNN. Today I'm going to be reading some text messages from the most horrific day 
in our country's history, January 6th. Let's get started. Okay, this first one is from Mark Meadows to his daughter three days before the insurrection. Quote, I can't get a hold of your mom. Tell her I will be home late. Been a busy day. Close quote. Busy day, huh? You know, I think I would be busy if I was planning an insurrection. Okay, another one uh, from Laura Ingram to Mark Meadows on January 3rd. Very close to January 6th. Quote, did you have a good New Year's party? Sorry I couldn't make it. Close quote. Why couldn't Laura make the party? Huh? Why couldn't Laura go to go to Mark's party? I think we all know why. Because she knew what was really being planned at that party. Okay, another one from Sean Hannity to President Trump on January 4th. Quote, are we still on for golf this Saturday? Close quote. Golf. I think we all know that golf is code for something. And Donald Trump Jr., uh, he texted just so many people, so many people leading up to January 6th. Uh, one of his texts uh, we retrieved said, quote, LOL, smiley face emoji, that's hysterical. What's so funny, Don Jr., huh? What's so hysterical? Why don't you come and tell this committee, Don Jr., what is so funny? Have you heard about School Incorporated? It's a new PBS series that looks at America's schools and schools around the world. It makes interesting points about what's wrong with our schools and what might be done about that. The series, though, is long. It's three hours. So here's my Stossel short attention span version. Recognize this? It's the original Sony Walkman introduced in 1979. The first mainstream personal music player. That was just the beginning. Every year or two, new and improved models hit the market. To earn enough to buy the original Walkman, you had to work two weeks at a typical minimum wage job. And that was for lo-fi sound on cassettes you had to flip over every half an hour. What's really amazing about the rapid spread and improvement of personal audio players is that it isn't amazing at all. It's perfectly normal. A decade ago, no one had ever heard of Google. Now they do tens of thousands of internet searches per second. Facebook went from zero to half a billion members in just five years. Basically, invent something good, and it gets big. And these days, it gets big fast. But of all the products we make and the services we provide, there's one that stands out as an exception to that overall pattern. One activity in which excellence doesn't spawn countless imitators or spread on a massive scale. And that exception, is schooling. For generations, there hasn't been a single innovation in teaching that has transformed classrooms and improved student achievement worldwide. Why not? In America, the education establishment always says, we need more money to make schools better. But America's been trying that. We tripled spending on government-run schools over the past 50 years. And yet, American test scores at the end of high school have been flat since we started keeping track of them all the way back in the early 1970s. Basically, educational quality has been stuck in the era of disco and leisure suits 
And while our top athletes and pop stars reach huge audiences, our greatest teachers seldom reach more than a few dozen kids at a time. Why not? That's the question at the heart of this series. Colson found some answers as to why the best teachers don't teach more kids at California's Garfield High. By 1988, more students were passing the advanced placement calculus test here at Garfield than at Beverly Hills High. One out of every four Mexican-Americans who passed AP Calculus nationwide attended Garfield. Why? Jaime Escalante. Jaime Escalante. Jaime Escalante. Time. Three seconds. As a teacher, he was fantastic. From the time he started teaching at Garfield in 1974, Jaime Escalante worked as if his life depended on the success of his students. There was nothing but excellence expected of us students. So we did not want to disappoint Jaime. By 1982, the results were beyond belief, literally. His students performed so far above expectations on the AP calculus test that the educational testing service suspected cheating and threw out their scores. Undaunted, they retook it and came through with flying colors a second time. Hollywood noticed, dramatizing the story in the movie Stand and Deliver. This is basic math, but basic math is too easy for you burros. Seeing the movie makes me laugh. It gives me a lot of memories of how it was in the classroom. It taught me everything I needed to be prepared for college. In art as in life, Escalante had a simple message for his students. With enough drive and hard work, the sky was the limit. When his students went to college, they found they were extra well prepared. Every one of those classes that I took, there was always a subject that I had already learned in Mr. Jaime Escalante's class in high school. Why? The movie Stand and Deliver ends on a high note, with Escalante's students proving the skeptics wrong. But the story of his mathematics program at Garfield does not have a Hollywood ending. Every single week, uh, there was a new uh, film crew coming in. In any other field, we might expect this combination of success, scalability, and publicity to have catapulted Escalante to the top of his profession. Or like Hubble's expanding universe to have spread all across the country. That just isn't what happened. A lot of the teachers were resentful, and it was very public. The key uh, problem was that Escalante's classes were big. He could handle it. He was setting a precedent. He was giving the message to the administrator, you know, if Escalante can do it, why not you? So the teachers' union marshaled enough votes to oust Escalante as head of the math department. Demoted and resented by many of his colleagues, Escalante left Garfield High. That's the bad news. The good news is that there are places where educational excellence is scaling up. And so Colson went to some of those places. Sweden, Chile, London, India, Korea. In Korea, the top teachers earn more than the highest paid professional baseball players. My whole uh, lecture revenue is over $100 million. Really? $100 million? Colson and I will explain how that happens in the next video. I can't help about the shape I'm in. I can't sing, I ain't pretty, and my legs are thin. But don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to.
trying to figure out where I am right now. I'm losing my way here a bit. Okay, so um, I'm going to uh, give a little shout out here to a couple people that are helping me, and then we're going to listen to another clip. That uh, is Ted Cruz uh, interviewing leaders or CEOs of the top airlines in the country. So I'm going to just mention a couple people here so we'll stay on track with people I need to recognize. And uh, the next folks are North Valley Paralegal, Nellie Garcia, who I'm uh, referring people to as a red hot operation, helping people with their legal uh, needs. Sometimes you have a problem. Sometimes you don't have a problem. You just have a need. Like you want to you want to make a will or you want to revise your will or revise a trust or sort out some paperwork that doesn't seem right. But redo some do a some kind of agreement with somebody. Uh, so. North Valley paralegals can actually do many of the things that you think an attorney, you would need an attorney for, but uh, you can get it done there. Lots less price, faster, nicer, nicer people to deal with. They're honest, which some attorneys are not honest, but uh, Nellie Garcia is. So if you go to 751 Sutter Street, but I would call first, make an appointment just as a courtesy, but you could probably do a walk-in as well. 751 Sutter Street, Yuba City. And the number is 530-751-9289. That's 751-9289. And she works very hard for her customers and her clients. So give her a, a shot. A lot of people are very happy. All these people I'm working with and they're working with me are the best in their field. They, they get it on. So uh, one, other, one other person is... Uh, Ted Holmes, and Ted has three businesses, but I, I usually talk about him here with the Plumbing Doctor, and they serve Yuba Sutter Counties, and you can reach them at 530-671-9111. That's 671-9111. They have several trucks out and about every day serving the needs 24 hours a day if need be, seven days a week if need be, and so you can reach them. They they do a great job. He also has uh, he will he's looking for plumbers as well. Thrifty Rooters looking for plumbers, and uh, he also has a, a contracting business where they do remodels. So if you need you end up needing more than just a plumbing uh, fix, and you need some remodeling, he can re- remodel kitchens, baths, whatever. And uh, whatever you need, I had him over here the other day. He helped me rebuild my fence. And uh, they also have a a floor removal company called Liftoff Floors that you can use to take whatever flooring is down and uh, they can get it ready to put new flooring down on your concrete slab or they could polish the slab, stain the slab, make it look, you know, clean and shiny and uh, get you started all over again. So but you could reach all of them through uh, 530-671-9111. Uh, okay, I'm going to uh, play a clip here. It's about a seven-minute clip of Senator Ted Cruz from uh, the state of Texas interviewing the uh, – this will shock you. This is going to shock you. He's interviewing one of uh, – asking questions of the United 
a chief executive officer. Uh, and in it, he reveals that the United States government gave the airlines 51 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars of COVID money so they wouldn't all go bankrupt. Now, where do you think that money, who paid for that? And listen to this United Airlines guy. We'll be right back. Uh, as num a number of senators have observed last year, what Congress did with regard to the aviation industry was critical and it was unprecedented. Uh, we allocated over $54 billion uh, to keep the American aviation industry strong and healthy. Uh, I was the chairman of the aviation subcommittee at the time. Each of the CEOs on this panel and Ms. Nelson, I've spoken to all of you many times. Each of you went on great length making the case that, that maintaining our pilots, maintaining our flight attendants, maintaining our personnel in aviation was critically important. We fast forward to where we are today and we find ourselves in a different circumstance and the behavior of airlines has not been uniform. Um, I'm proud to say the two airlines based in Texas, Mr. Kelly's air airline and Mr. Parker's airline, I think have been exemplary, particularly concerning vaccine mandates. Both of you have made public commitments that you will not be firing your employees because of failure to comply with the vaccine mandate. I thank you for that. Mr. Bastian has likewise made that commitment at Delta. The outlier here is, is United. And Mr. Kirby, United's behavior on this issue, I have to say, has been deeply disturbing. Uh, I'm a frequent customer of United. I live in Houston. I've got over a million miles on United. There are over 14,000 United employees in the state of Texas. And the way United has treated its employees is in marked contrast to your competitors sitting here. Your competitors have said they will stand with their employees. United has not made that same commitment. How many pilots has United fired because of failure to comply with the vaccine mandate? Uh, well, Senator, uh, I'm happy to talk also about the rationale for why we did it. We did it for safety. I, I, uh, I have limited time, safety. so my question is how many pilots have you fired? I believe it is six out of 13. Okay. And how many pilots have you p placed on unpaid leave? Uh, I think it's about 80. Okay. How many flight attendants have you fired? Uh, I don't know the number. In total, it's about 200 employees. Well, I will tell you, I spoke this morning to the airline employees for health freedom that said they had over 2,000 United employees who had been placed on unpaid leave because they sought exemptions from the vaccine mandate. They said that, said that included 331 pilots. I will also note that I have been literally inundated with United employees complaining about United's callous disregard for the rights of the, of the pilots. One of the messages was from a pilot who flew for United for more than two decades, who applied for and received an exemption from your vaccine mandate on religious grounds, and who was subsequently placed on leave with no pay and no benefits, including no medical insurance. Now his wife, who relies on her husband's insurance, has had to postpone a necessary surgery with no idea when she'll be able to reschedule because she, she has no idea when her husband will be able to fly again. And you're simultaneously enforcing a non-compete so this pilot can't even go work for your competitors. Another message I received from another pilot, a constituent self-described proud Texan, flew for the Air Force for almost three decades, including missions in Asia, 
now founds himself on indefinite unpaid leave with a denial of all benefits to include medical, dental, vision, insurance, disability, travel privileges, crew member access to jump seats, denied access to his retirement savings. This morning, I spoke with a 10-year flight attendant for United, a woman named Ms. Adriana Ubali, who is a single mom, an Hispanic single mom from Texas, who you fired. She received her termination notice tied in a trash can to her front gate. I have a letter here, Madam Chairman, from, from uh, Ms. Ubali describing the disgraceful treatment she received at the hands of United. I ask unanimous consent this record to be entered, this letter Without be entered objection. in the record. Just recently, you're being sued by your employees for mistreating them, for violating their terms of employment. Just recently, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals Judge James Ho, someone I know very well, an exemplary jurist, wrote an opinion in which he described the likelihood of your employees succeeding on the merits as the claims against you, quote, appear compelling and convincing at this stage. And I want to read what Judge Ho wrote about United. Title VII forbids employers from retaliating against employees who attempt to exercise their statutory rights. Yet United CEO Scott Kirby told employees in a company town hall meeting that, quote, very few religious exemptions to the vaccine mandate would be granted and that anyone who even attempted to request one would be, quote, putting their job on the line. I saw that video, and it's a disturbing video. He went on to note, this is again Judge Ho writing, the district court thus concluded that United's mandate reflects an apathy, if not antipathy, for many of its employees' concerns and a dearth of toleration for those expressing a diversity of thought through both its policy and its official statements to employees. United has demonstrated a, quote, calloused approach to and apparent disdain for people of faith. Why is United's conduct disregarding the rights of your employees so different from the conduct of your competitor air airlines, which are protecting the rights of their pilots and flight attendants and not firing them or putting them on unpaid leave for exercising their religious liberty rights? Well, Senator Cruz, uh, again, we did this for safety. Uh, we believe it saved lives. I think that's my number one obligation is safety, uh, particularly running an airline. And you have and an obligation to your customers? Uh, my number one obligation is safety, um, including to our customers. Are your competitors unsafe? Uh, I think that the world is safer um, for us. I made the decision for United. I'll let the, my competitors speak for themselves. Uh, I made the decision for United. Uh, that getting everyone vaccinated would save lives and well, would Mr. create Kirby, a safer I will tell you environment this. My for all the other expired, work. But I will tell you this, I fly United flight almost every week. Almost without exception, when I'm on one of your flights, I get stopped by a pilot or a flight attendant, often multiple pilots or multiple flight attendants, who say thank you for fighting for us. Your employees are being mistreated and it's disappointing. Your company is better than this and what you're doing is wrong. All right. So uh, when I heard that interview, I was shocked. And many uh, airlines pilots have died. Uh, many of the steward stewardesses, or that's an old term, I guess, what do we call flight attendants, uh, <clears throat> have become sick and died. Uh, many have been put on unpaid leave. Many have lost their insurance, on and on and on. You heard it. I won't repeat what he said. I want to go on now and talk about an article uh, Fauci undermined Trump, misled Americans on COVID. He, uh, 
It says, I was stunned at what I saw, Dr. Scott Atlas said. Now, Scott Atlas is kind of a unique name, Atlas. You don't hear many people of that last name. Dr. Scott Atlas, you might have heard, he was a, a professor and one of the top uh, radiologists, ra- radiology experts in the country. Uh, he was recruited by the White House to come and assist. He served on the White House uh, cor- Coronavirus Task Force. Um, he criticizes, uh, he worked there for a while. Um, he tried to assist where he could, but, uh, he ended up getting canned from Stanford university because of his, uh, anti Fauci views and anti, uh, federal government prescription to deal with COVID. He was let go. So I'm just going to read this to you. I'm going to read some clips out of this. Dr. Scott Atlas served on the task force. He criticizes public health officials, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, in his new book. The uh, uh, he says, uh, Atlas, that the American people need to know the level of incompetence, the lack of rigor, and the lack of critical thinking. I was stunned at what I saw. We had bureaucrats in charge of the policy, and that policy was the restrictions and lockdowns, and it failed. Dr. Scott Atlas had a front row seat, this article said by Rob Bluey, B-L-U-E-Y, Rob Bluey. He writes, Dr. Scott Atlas had a front row seat at the White House as a member of Donald Trump's Corona Task Force. Now he's telling all in a new book, the book's title, A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight in the Trump White House to Stop COVID from Destroying America. He says the American people need to know the level of incompetence, the lack of rigor, the lack of critical thinking. He says, I was stunned at what I saw. Atlas says of his time at the White House, we had bureaucrats in charge of the policy, and that policy was a restriction and lockdowns, and it all failed. Atlas blames three public health officials, Dr. Deborah Burks, White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, Anthony Fauci, and Robert Redfield, who at that time was the head of the Centers for D- Disease Control. <clears throat> so I'm just going to... Uh, uh, this is a question and answer. Bluey asks, you are the world-renowned, you are a world-renowned radiologist and senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, and now you have a new project over with Hillsdale College. Tell us about this new academy. He says, everyone is aware that science itself has been contaminated, this is Atlas talking, by politics. It has become really distorted from the actual scientific process itself. That the process of science and finding scientific truths depends on the free exchange of ideas and that obviously fundamental pathway to seeking and discovering very important things that all free societies depend upon. The process of discovering the answer is in allowing the information to be debated and using evidence and stating it freely without fear of intimidation and censure. Yet in this pandemic, particularly, we have seen quite the opposite on our university campuses and in scientific journals. And so I and Martin Koldorf, who is at Harvard University, the very renowned epidemiologist and infectious disease scientist, and Jay Bhattacharya, who's at Stanford University, who is also a scientist and a renowned scholar, are getting together with the help and under the umbrella of Hillsdale College. This is an amazing college. If your kid really wants to go to college and you really think he needs to go to college, send him to Hills College, please. It's in Michigan. 
They're going to work under the umbrella of Hillsdale College addressing these issues and exploring their solutions. So he says, uh, Blue, he says, from your vantage point, both in the White House and when you're working on the task force, and since then, what is the most egregious example of where individual and academic freedom came under attack? He says, when I got there, I was under attack by people who were really attacking me out of political animus toward the president. That is unfortunate. What happened at my own campus uh, also, that is unfortunately what happened also at my campus at Stanford University, where a group of professors became enraged and misrepresented what I said, resorted to smear smears distributed on emails, coercive emails to younger people on the faculty to write op-eds against me. I was stunned at it, he said. I was naive to politics, and the reason I know it was political, first of all, they never criticized or refuted any of my data. They just simply accused me in a distorted way of saying these preposterous things. But mainly, it's because the controlled experiment was uh, because the controlled experiment was done, as we say in science. There were three medical scientists at Stanford, all of whom said the exact same thing. Jay Bhattacharya, John Ioannidis, and myself, we said the same thing about risk, the same thing about very low risk to children, the same thing about schools should be open, the same thing about natural immunity conferred after recovery from infection, the same thing about masks, the same thing about lockdowns being super detrimental, yet only one of us received the sort of nationally known censor, and that was sort of a despicable thing. He said, if you're not teaching critical thinking, which means the only way to get critical thinking is to learn it, is to hear views that you agree or disagree with, and to look at all the evidence. That's what critical thinkers really do. That's what scientists do. So he said, YouTube pulled down videos of Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida running a panel with me, Doctors Koldorf, Bhattacharya, and Sunetra Gupta from Oxford on pandemic management. YouTube pulled it down. Of course, Governor DeSantis is fearless and called me up the next day and said, we're going to we're going to do the panel on how YouTube pulled it down. So what he's describing is social media censoring of right science. It's so unbelievably wrong. So he says, Dr. Fauci who was the most visible face of the policy to the country, but not in charge of the task force. Uh, Deborah Burks, who was in charge of the medical side of the task force. She was the official task force coordinator with capital letters. That means she was dictatorial. She had the role of personally writing, writing all the written advice to every state. In In other words, documenting everything to every state, all of the governors, of the 50 states received her advice as a federal policy guideline. She flew to dozens of states. She personally visited all of the state's public health officials doling out federal guidance. Dr. Redfield was the third doctor who was actually the head of the CDC. Now, uh, uh, let's see. I'm going to talk some more about this. We got, we just got under a minute here. He said, I wrote this in my book, a plague upon our house. He wrote this book, a plague upon our house because the American people need to know the level of incompetence, the lack of rigor, the lack of critical thinking. 
I was stunned at what I saw. We had bureaucrats in charge of the policy, and that policy was restrictions and lockdowns, and it failed. It failed by the data to stop the spread of the infection. It failed to protect the elderly and stop them from dying, and it destroyed millions and millions of families, including the children who were sacrificed, and I'm talking about particularly low-income families. Uh, we're going to take a break here of our last break, and then we got one more uh, section. So hang in there, and uh, we'll be right back. When someone says things are crazy, what should you say? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. We should all want to talk to people who are asking questions because you can help them connect the dots. Ask, what do you mean crazy? As they describe their concerns, listen to draw them out. When they're done speaking, ask, have you thought about the causes of these problems? Ask questions such as, Who's oppressing people? Who's behind the rise in crime? Who's in charge of our government? Your questions can help people start to think about the cause of the effects. When you get down to the who, the perpetrators behind every public problem, they're Democrat politicians or prostituting Republicans, never constitutional Republicans. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. Just afraid of being attacked. Happens to the best ones. Don't ever forget what happened to that French actor. You know what I'm talking about? Juicy Smouillet, he's a very French, very famous French actor. Y'all never heard of Juicy Smouillet? Joseph Mouillet is an actor from France. <laughs> and, and he became famous on a show called Empire. One night, he was in Chicago late at night and was the victim the victim of a, a racist and homophobic attack. You see, Juicy Smouillet is <laughs> gay and he is black, not just French. <laughs> oh, it was a crazy story. Apparently, when he was walking down the street late at night, two white men came out of the shadows uh, with MAGA hats on, beat him up tied a rope around his neck, called him all kinds of niggas, and, and put some bleach on him and ran off into the night. <laughs> this shit was like international news. And everybody was 
furious, especially in Hollywood. It's all over everybody's Twitter feed and Instagram page. Justice for Juicy and all this shit. <laughs> the whole country was up in arms. He was talking about it all the time on the news. And, and for some reason, uh, African Americans, we were like oddly quiet. <laughs> we were so quiet about this shit that the gay community started accusing African American community of being homophobic for not supporting him. What they didn't understand is that we were supporting him with our silence. <laughs> because we understood that this nigga was clearly lying. <laughs> None of these details added up at all. <laughs> he said he's walking down the street in Chicago and, and, and uh, white dudes come up to him and say, hey man, aren't you that faggot nigger from Empire? A <laughs> uh, fuck? Does that sound like how white people talk? No white people. They don't talk like that. Are you that faggot nigga from Empire? They would never say that. It sounds like something that I would say. <laughs> if you're racist and homophobic, you're not even gonna know who this nigga is. You can't watch Empire. Black people never feel sorry for the police, but this time we even felt sorry for the police. Can you imagine if you was a police veteran taking this kid's police report? Okay, Mr. Smoulier, please tell me what happened. All right, you're 2 a.m. You left the house at 2 a.m. It's minus 16 degrees. And... All right. You were walking. You were walking. All right. And, and where were you going? Subway. Sandwiches? <laughs> That's when the men approach you? Did you see them? Do you have any? Okay, what, what do they have on? MAGA hats! MAGA hats on in Chicago? Excuse me one second, Mr. Smoulier. Frank, come here for a second. Find out where Kanye West was last night. All right, welcome back. Uh, I want to give. Uh, couple acknowledgments of help greenitz construction dave greenitz my friend for over four decades uh has a construction company that's got got an amazing reputation he's been in this community his whole con construction life and uh even during the downturns of the economy he stays busy he's got seven eight or nine kitchens lined up ahead of him and it's if you want to check him out and see i, I wonder what one of his kitchens look like then or one of his amazing bathrooms look like you should go on Greenitz Construction, green with E-T-Z on the end, greenitzconstruction.com, or you could go to Dave Greenitz Construction, his Facebook site, Dave Greenitz Construction, and look at the before and after and see if you like 
what you see. You're just just window shopping, as they used to say. And if you're interested, then send him a, send him a message, or you can dial him up, text him, or you can call him at 530-682-9602. 682-9602. He will do you a job. He is, here's the amazing thing. When you call to get his phone, you he usually answers, not somebody else. And uh, when when you ask, uh, when when you want to engage him in a conversation about your job, you're going to be talking to him. So he's the main man. And, and the amazing thing is he shows up right when he says he's going to show up. He's he's not a independent contractor. He's dependent on you working with you. So six, eight, two, nine, six, zero, two. If you want the best, you want somebody else. Uh, anybody will do. Don't bother him. He's busy, busy, busy. But they do amazing work. So. uh have that. Just take that. And and finally, uh, is Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security. A lot of these guys started their own businesses. In fact, every one of them started their own business with the exception of Dr. Cassidy didn't start Peachtree Health. But Elite Universal Security was started by Monty Hecker when he got out of the Air Force and in, in, out of Yuba County. And now he's all over the North State. So if you need a job, you want to go to work with Monty Hecker, he'll train you to be a guard. Even if you want to, you're bored with retirement, you want to work a few hours a day uh, or a few days a week, uh, he will pay you and he will train you to do the work. And you don't even have to be in Yuba County or Sutter County. You may be living in another county where he's working. You don't even know about it. He's just doing guard work or patrol work or whatever. So, uh you can reach out to him at 530-749-0280. That's 749-0280. Now, here's the other thing. They, he can help you with how to use a taser. If you buy a taser or if you have uh, a chemical spray system, they can. he can teach you how to use that. He can teach you how to get a concealed weapons permit. They have their own uh, shooting range. They got a lot going on out there. So you can go to EliteUniversalSecurity.com or you can go to API-Academy.com to look at their schooling. But they will do you right and they will put you to work. And I'm telling you, I meet, I met a high school friend of mine that was a few years younger than me. And I ran up. I said, hey, what are you doing? You're doing some guard work. And he said, yeah, he said, I quit. I was driving truck. And he said, after years and years of retiring from truck driving, he said, I it drove me nuts staying home all day. So he was back doing a little guard work. So uh, we're going to, uh, right now I'm going to play you a clip of one of the top doctors in the United States of America named Vladimir Zelenko, or some people call him Zev, Z-E-V, Zelenko. He's a Jewish rabbi doctor. He consults with the Knesset, uh, Knesset sorry, at the, uh, that's the Jewish or the Israeli uh, parliament, I call it the Knesset, and um, he had breakthrough therapies to stop COVID in its tracks and did early prevention. No one, not none of his people died. He treated hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. He has online. I don't. I can't quote you his online uh, website, but he has he has the whole regimen. He can sell you the whole regimen if you just. Google or, or DuckDuckGo. I use DuckDuckGo because it's a better um, search engine. Vladimir Zelenko or Zev Zelenko, Z-E-L-E-N-K-O. 
and you might find his website, and then you could order whatever you needed. So I'm going to play a clip, and he's talking about uh, what's really going on in the world. Get above the COVID, and what's really going on uh, globally, and and how you should look at it. We'll be right back in a little over nine minutes. He's got to give a talk. He's going to give. Hold on. First of all, I want to thank God for this moment. What I believe is going on in this generation is a war between two systems of thought. One system being that we're made in God's image and that life has sanctity. We have human rights. And as such, it's God's purview how many of us live on the planet, how long we live, if we live free. The other system of thought, which could be rooted in Darwin's uh, survival of the fittest or eugenics, it probably started with the serpent in the Garden of Eden, but that system of thought believes that there is a hierarchy in humanity, that some people are better than others, and inevitably that reverts to three types of uh, categories of people. One is the, the super Superman, like Kant would say, the Ubermensch. Then there's the human, the Mensch, and the Untermensch, the subhuman. Now, if that sounds familiar, that's because around 80 years ago, the Nazi ideology was built upon that type of system. The Nazis believed that they were descendants of Aryan gods. They believed that the Anglo-Saxons should be enslaved and serve them. And the subhumans, which I belong to, slobs, the handicapped, political prisoners and so on, gypsies, they were meant to be thrown into ovens and become dust. Now, that ideology did not go away. It's just resurfaced now, but it's not anti-Semitic. It's completely rooted in something else. The elite, so to speak, they think they're evolved. I, I think they're devolved. What they believe is that because of their wealth, power, intellectual uh, superiority, so they think, that that gives them the right to decide how many of us should be on the planet, how long we should live, who should be free, and so on. And so if you notice, any totalitarian dictatorship, the first thing they try to do is get rid of houses of worship. And it's very simple why, because if I bow down to God, I'm not going to bow down to them. And so what's happening, the mechanism that they're using is fear. There's a global mass psychosis where these depraved animals, what they've done is use the media and created a false narrative that has led us to be living in chronic anxiety and fear and human isolation. If anyone studied psychological warfare, you'll know that those two points, anxiety and human isolation, will cause most people to decompensate psychologically and become very vulnerable and gullible and easy to manipulate. And then they offered the false golden calf of this, so to speak, as a false promise. And people gravitate towards it as a short-term measure to relieve their anxiety. It's not intellectual. It's purely emotional. And if you challenge someone, even the most intellectual people but who have fallen into this trap, if you challenge them, they become belligerent because what you're really doing is bringing them back into that anxiety state that they so definitely don't want to be in. So the, the reality here is I'm a big fan of King David and his Psalms, and he gives a very good prescription for life. He says, turn away from bad, 
do good, and live. You know, we live, we thought we used to live in freedom. And you know, freedom isn't free. We were free, or we thought we were free, because of the sacrifices of the previous generations. The question is, will our children be free? And the answer depends, are we willing to sacrifice? This is our storming the beaches of Normandy moment. This generation has been tasked with the ability and the responsibility of looking at the primordial serpent right in the eye and saying no and decapitating it. And the only reason why this has happened is because we're letting it happen. Because there's many more of us than them. And the tactic of the enemy is to scare us and divide us. And when we're divided, that's when they could pounce at us in sections. And the, the answer, the solution to that is to rise up in hopefully nonviolent civil disobedience, reject all tyranny, reject the dictates of the demented puppet in the White House, and realize that we are fighting a well-entrenched enemy that has a head start. However, we have something they don't have, which is called the God Scaler. This is a David versus Goliath situation, and we are the David. Collective humanity of God consciousness. The enemy wants to destroy God consciousness. We have to go in the opposite direction. We need to instill into our children basic morality. And what I mean by that is we should take our children out of public schools. For many years, the public school system has attempted to destroy the souls of our children by teaching them depravity, normalizing depravity. Many of you know that there were two cities in the Bible that were destroyed, Saddam and Gomorrah. And the question is asked, why were they destroyed? So one answer is because they were immoral, but that, that's not the answer, because every place was immoral. What was so unique about them? So they, one of the answers is they, they normalized immorality. They made it the law of the land. And that is a way of saying, God, we don't want you here. We reject you. And so we need to go in a completely opposite direction. We take our children out of the spiritual danger that they're in in the public school system, and now the physical danger. According to the World Homicide Organization, they issued a, a decree that if your children are in school, that's implied informed consent, meaning that you could have prevented your children from going to school. The fact that you didn't and they're in school means that you are giving consent so now they're attacking not only the souls, but the bodies of our children. You know, in decent societies, parents sacrifice themselves for the well-being of their children. This is a biblical war. This is a war that goes from the very beginning of creation itself. But we could reject it. We could say no. We can turn to God. And here's my advice. Creation is dynamic. It's every instant of time is an act of recreation. What that means is you're not alone. That means God is making you. And if he's making you, he's with you. So we know that anxiety, fear, only lives in the psychological and emotional space where the consciousness of God is absent. If you fill that void with God consciousness, by the way, it's hard work. To be mindful of the divine constantly is hard work. But so what? But this is what's necessary in order to withstand this onslaught on the human soul and the collective human soul, and the collective human goodness, and the fact that we made in his image.
So my blessing to, to the whole world, to all decent people, is rise up. This hill is worth dying on. It's time for us, this generation, to pay the price so that our children could live with God consciousness, with freedom, and be able to thrive. And whether or not that will happen is directly correlated to what we do now, today. And so it is my sincere prayer and hope that like-minded, God-consciousness and people should collate together into cities of refuge, of decency. And even though the majority of the world are continents of tyranny, I know that, but nevertheless, a little light pushes away a lot of darkness. We all come from the same source. My, my four-year-old daughter one time told me, Daddy, you're my brother. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, God is my father and he's your father. So we're all brothers and sisters and we all are made in the image of God. We all are given the gift of consciousness, the gift of free choice, and we should all use that gift in the right way by choosing to put on the yoke of heaven and take the yoke of our own fears and the yoke of other people's evil agendas off of us. Because there's only one type of free person in the world, and that's someone who chooses to be a servant of God. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. You. We've really listened to some amazing uh, medical, some of the top medical people in the United States today, Vladimir Zelenko, that was. And also you heard three clips from uh, Peter McCullough, uh, who is the head of the medical school at Baylor University and has all kinds of accolades uh, following him. But also uh, we're referring to, I'm going to finish up talking about uh, Scott Atlas here. And uh, he's working with Martin Kildorf and also, or Koldorf, and also uh, Jay Batacharita and uh, John Ioannidis. These are some of the top medical people between Harvard and Stanford University. Uh, so he says the, the approach to COVID failed, but it also inflicted massive harm because you have to remember we shut down a lot of medical care. Scott Atlas is talking about the government did. It wasn't just cosmetic surgery or something like that. That was shut down. We had 650,000 people with cancer, with cancer that were taking th chemotherapy that we stopped. Half of them, uh, he said, actually half of them just voluntarily stopped coming to their chemotherapy. Uh, just during the spring of 2020 out of fear, we had 85% of living Organ transplants did not get done compared to the previous year. We had two-thirds of cancer screenings did not get done. People, uh, these people still have cancer today. They're going to come back with widespread what's called metastatic disease. A lot of them are going to die. We had massive increases in drug abuse, in spousal abuse, in child abuse. 300,000 cases of child abuse were not detected during the spring of 2020 because why? Because schools were closed and schools are the number one agency where child abuse occurs. Uh, uh, we're eight, one agency that, that uh, notes child abuse and where child abuse occurs. So this was a massive harm, and the harm again, all the losses, we are almost on the verge of destroying a younger generation, by the way. We have a massive rise in anxiety disorder and depressive disorder. 
one out of four college students in 2020 in the United States thought of killing himself. We had tripling of medical visits to doctors by teenagers for self-harm in the United States compared to the previous year. What does that all mean? That means that these kids are putting out cigarettes on their arm. They're, they're on their skin. They're slashing their wrists out of the feeling of isolation. It's the lockdown that did this. It's the isolation. It's not the virus. The isolation was caused by grossly wrong public health advice. And that local supervisors, if you're paying any attention to any of this, this isn't me just rattling off. These are the top medical people. And will you quit listening to the local Joseph Mengele who tried to make a name for herself and follow Gavin Newsom's nutcase uh, theories? Atlas says that isolation was caused by grossly wrong public health advice, and this is going to take decades to resolve. Uh, So uh, he goes on to say uh, about Biden's performance. He says it's a total failure. It's a failure because there's been a continuation of the disconnect from fact. First of all, Uh, There's a bizarre notion that restricting people indoors or whatever restrictions you want to impose on people or these mass mandates or anything else stops the spread of infection or eliminates the virus. That's proven wrong. We knew it a year ago, a a year and a half ago even. It's still going on. That's a sort of bizarre lack of understanding of fact. then he says, in fact, the protection in people who've recovered from the infection is superior to the protection of vaccinated people who have never had the infection. That's factually true. That's inarguable. You can't argue with it. And to that and, and to not acknowledge that is almost inexplicable, really, except if you're just motivated to just be blind to the truth or to hide the truth from the American people. Uh We're the only country that I know that is just completely behaving like a flat earth country. Unbelievable. Uh, So I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're running out of time here. And so thank you for listening and uh, Lord willing, we'll be back. If you want to listen to our live show, uh, it's 10 to one on Saturdays and you can go to live feed at uh, live with Lou. Uh, sorry, at live365.com, live365.com. And if you ever want to listen to the podcast again, you can go to nohostagesradio.com or to the Live with Lou Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you uh, next week, Lord willing. Okay. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar to kiss. Sugar.